Hello, everybody. Welcome back once again to another episode of the Knowledge Group Podcast, offering you a forward look at what you can expect to hear from our Knowledge Group webcast. And on this particular episode, we're going to be joined by our panelists on the January 19th webcast, kicking things off at 12 p.m. Eastern and lasting for an hour and a half. We'll be talking about international arbitration trends, development, and critical issues. The panel for this webcast consists of Justin Lee, John Michael McNutt, and Penny Madden. More information about our panelists and the webcast can be found in our description box as well as the webcast for details about how to sign up and how to tune in, whether that's on demand or live. Don't forget about Podcast 25 when used at checkout, which will get you 25% off that very first paid webcast registration. Once again, Podcast 25 can be found in the description box along with everything else. So without further ado, we'll turn things over to one of our speakers, Justin Lee. Hi all, this is Justin Lee, a senior counsel at Worshin Gehring LLP, an international boutique located in New York, New York. I'm very happy to speak with everyone today, this January 7th, um, about a topic that's still present with us, which is obviously, the, which is the impact of the COVID-19 on international business. Um, the outbreak of the coronavirus, you know, has had a continuous and an unprecedented impact on all of our daily lives and has significantly impacted international business activities, uh, particularly the abilities of parties, you know, to meet their contractual obligations. Um, so I think it's a very good reminder as we start up this year, still dealing with the pandemic, to go over some of the major key takeaways and points to consider if you're an international business or any business that's dealing with COVID-related issues or delays uh, and the types of things uh, that you may have seen or encountered with your, your counterparties. You know, the very first thing to really think about is always trying to be very practical in how to approach some of these problems. You know, as a business, you know, you're always dealing with different demands and requests on your times, trying to keep up with project schedules, uh, trying to keep contractual commitments. And obviously, the COVID-19 pandemic uh, has made that even more difficult. So what are some of the things that you can do now that can maybe um, help you deal with some of these issues as they relate to, relate to COVID-19? Uh, and I'm just going to go over a few of those. I think one of the first things you want to do is you want to identify the key clauses, you know, in your contracts with your counterparties uh, that may have been impacted by COVID-19. So these are things like force majeure clauses. You want to check, you know, what's the governing law of the contract? What are the certain reps and warranties that you've, you've agreed to in your, in your contract? What are the termination rights, um, you know, under the agreement? You know, these are the types of, of contractual clauses and provisions that, that, are, that you want to keep in mind because you may have to resort to them or you may have to analyze them carefully if, you, if your party is saying that, you know, they have a, a shipment delay or they have some other concern that, that, is, that is caused by, you know, COVID-19. So that's something you want to you think about. You also want to identify any notice requirements that you may need to invoke uh, if you want to use, you know, COVID-19, you know, as, as an excuse to delay performance or even to get maybe a time extension. There are generally going to be requirements within a contract that say, well, you have to give us 30 days notice if you're going to invoke uh, a force majeure, 
um, or you know some other event that prevents your performance. You're going to want to look at those notice requirements. You're also going to want to analyze whether maybe there are any alternative uh, performance that might be available or any proactive steps that you might take that you can maybe mitigate some of the effects of COVID-19. Um, again, that's just being a good business partner, seeing how you can uh, kind of cut these things off before they before they get started. Uh, you also want to look at obviously potential consequences if you actually do have to breach or breach the contract. What other mitigation steps that you can take um, to to alleviate the consequences of of that breach? Um, next, you also want to really make sure you communicate obviously with your customers and counterparties uh, about what's going on. You really want to document everything. You know, I, I really can't speak to this highly enough. Uh, I always having these issues with clients that. That, that I'm working with about making sure that they document things properly when issues arise, because these are the things that are going to be relied upon uh, later if something has to go to a litigation arbitration, uh, but also just in some sort of future negotiation with the other party, just to try to make sure everybody's on the same page. And then finally, obviously, you want to keep up with you know, local laws and, and regulatory actions you know, as they relate to COVID-19. Uh, different, you know, quarantine or 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 uh, vaccine requirements or mandates that maybe you or some of your employees may be subject to. So as you go through some of the some of those practical steps, you know, and maybe you're in the midst of a dispute with with a counterparty or some issue has arisen, you know, with respect to COVID-19, you you may have heard some phrases and terms that may be a bit foreign to you. Maybe they're not foreign to you. Maybe you have a lot of experience in this area, uh, but maybe you don't. And some of these obviously depend on where your business is located. If you're located in the U.S., for example, which is a common law jurisdiction, or if you're located in a civil law country, like many countries in Latin America or Europe, you know, some of these terms are going to have different consequences and, uh, and impacts depending on which country you're in or which jurisdiction you're in. So you may have heard of terms like force majeure, frustration of purpose, material adverse change, you know, supervening hardship, change of circumstances, um, economic Im uh, impossibility. So these are terms that are going to be floated around. And we're going to briefly go over some of them. We're not going to go over all of them in this, in this podcast. It's not the purpose of the, of the podcast. But just to give you a flavor of what some of these terms mean, so if you have a sense of them and, and, and can obviously, you know, delve them to them later, or just really consult with your, your, your legal counsel, your in-house counsel to, to get more information. So let's start first, kind of break it down with common law jurisdictions. I mentioned ones where I'm located here in the United States, here in the New York region. Uh, you have others such as in the UK, Australia, Hong Kong. There are other common law jurisdictions all over the world. Um, and we're going to just really principally talk about two of these defenses that come up in this conduct, which is, you know, force majeure being one and, and impossibility or frustration of purpose uh, being the other. One of the key takeaways for force majeure is that really in a common law jurisdiction, it's got to be part of the contract. Uh, this is not something that's just going to arise absent, you know, a con you know, a provision in the, your agreement with your counterparty. Uh, if it's not uh, something that's been bargained for between the parties, it's not going to automatically apply. This, of course, is different than in some civil law jurisdictions, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But this is the key takeaway. If you want to resort to, com you know, force majeure in a common law jurisdiction, it's got to be in the it's got to be in the agreement. 
And then what are some of the, the major requirements to invoke force majeure if it is in, in your agreement? Well, generally, it's going to be an unforeseeable event that is beyond a party's control and that prevents or impedes performance, right? So what are these types of things? A natural disaster, you know, an act of government, you know, some law that comes down that prevents you from performing your agreement or some other act could be obviously COVID-19, you know, that's that's beyond your control or some other ap epidemic or, or pandemic. Uh, typically, you're, when you invoke the force majeure, you're, on, you're not going to have liability for the duration of the event, right? So once the natural disaster or the epidemic or the pandemic is over, uh, then liability will resume. But at least during the duration of well, the force majeure, you won't have any liability. Uh, and then, of course, according to the contract, right, since this force majeure does arise of the contract, we either be entitled to either termination of the contract or at least a suspension of contractual obligations while the, while the uh, force majeure event is, is occurring. Um, you know, so, you know, what, again, there are going to be the, some key issues. We're not going to delve into all of these. We've met, briefly mentioned some of them. But, you know, typically these disputes with force majeure, it does get into lit litigation. Hopefully it doesn't. Hopefully it's something that could be avoided. Are usually going to center around, you know, some certain concepts. Is first off of unforeseeability. You know, how unforeseeable was the event? Now that we've been in the pandemic for two years, uh, you know, we're on to the Omicron variant. We have the Delta variant before that. We have the Alpha variant. You know, how really unforeseeable is that you're going to encounter you know, some uh, delays or business issues or, or, or what have you uh, during the pandemic. Now businesses have had, you know, two years or so to, to make adjustments. How unforeseeable now is, is to rely on, 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 on COVID-19 as a force majeure event? Um, and also, as I said, the duration of it. How long, you know, does this force majeure event actually last, right? That's going to be, uh, you know, an issue. Uh, another element is going to be causation. There's going to be a very direct causal link between COVID-19 and the breach of contract, uh, and it's got to be the sole cause that you know that your business or your or you're breaching the contract. And then you're going to be at, you're going to have to answer a lot of different questions. Could you avoid it or overcome you know some of the impacts uh, of the force majeure event or COVID-19 in this case? Uh, was substitute service or substitute, uh, you know, performance uh, available? And if so, why wasn't it implemented? Um, and, then the, and then probably the third part is again: Did you comply with with some with the notice provisions to to invoke uh, to invoke uh, the force majeure? That's also going to be that's also going to be critical. So you know that's force majeure. In addition to force majeure and the common law, you, there are there's another type of event uh, or a defense that you, you may have heard. It's called frustration of purpose or also impossibility. Um, this, again, usually requires an unforeseen event, but that generally makes performance impossible. Um, so, you know, basically the idea is that your, your means of performance have really been destroyed or become objectively impossible because of this unforeseeable event. Um, you know, you're gonna be checking to see, you know, whether the, the central purpose of the contract may have been frustrated uh, by this event that wasn't contemplated by the parties at the time the, the agreement was, 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 was executed. That's also gonna be important. So for example, 
if you've got a contract for a supply of goods that can no longer be produced because you know of some gov new government law government measure that shuts down your plant that could be you know that could qualify as as as, as a frustration of purpose or impossibility i think i will say generally this is a very difficult defense to win uh uh, usually the flustering event has got to be something that is very catastrophic and, and it can't just be something that, you know, um, you know, an economic hardship that you're suffering. So that's also going to be, uh, that's also a distinction. Um, there's some other ones. We'll cover these in, in, in details. As I mentioned earlier, there's another, um, another event you may have heard called material adverse change. This typically arises in in uh, in in um, M and A transactions. Um, you know, it's usually covering the gap period between when you sign the merger agreement, but then when actually the deal closes, and what type of events that can occur during that gap period that you know may allow one of the parties to to get out from from under the deal. Um, so these are usually heavily negotiated, obviously, in these types of M&A deals, very sophisticated parties. So, you know, the buyers and sellers are going to be exchanging, you know, a lot of, you know, lists or exceptions of what does and what doesn't constitute, you know, a material adverse change or, or material uh, adverse event. Uh, so let's just, again, so that was the common law. Now let's move on to civil law. Um, so, so we have a, a, a kind of a complete picture of the of the two different types of legal system that people are dealing with. Force majeure again, but under a civil law approach. You know, as I said before, in the common law, you has force majeure has to be part of the contract. It's got to be express provision in the contract. In civil law, that's not the case because, of course, in civil law, much of law is provided by code or by the statute. Uh, so you're going to have to really look at the specific codes uh, from where where your business is located to see if force majeure is available events. Uh, for example, under Dutch law, force majeure is applied or can be applied to uh, to all contracts. Uh, whereas under Swiss law, it's not so it's not clear. There's not a, a strict statutory definition of force majeure. Uh, and if it hasn't been you know you know included in the parties' agreement. Uh, you're really going to, under Swiss law, you're really going to be looking at things like, you know, whether it was impossible for the party, you know, to fulfill the contract uh, and for, you know, and for how long and, and whether that impossibility is permanent. Uh, so, again, you're going to have to look at the specific codes, uh, you know, if you're in a civil law country. Uh, same idea with supervening hardship and change of circumstances. Uh, in some jurisdictions, you know, a party may be able to terminate a contract where its performance has become too burdensome as a consequence of a force majeure event like the, like a COVID-19 outbreak. Um, you know, this this is a case in you know in German law, for example. You know, you you know you can have your performance. A party can have their performance excused if it becomes impossible. Um, you know, or if even, you know, the party may have their uh, contract revised or amended if the circumstances from the basis of the contract have, you know, significantly, significantly changed. Um, so just want to also briefly touch on something you may have heard. I, I mentioned just a minute ago that, you know, economic hardship generally uh, as a defense is not available in under a common law jurisdiction. It's not usually available just by non-performance. Um, you know, but however, in civil law countries, it, it may be, you know, depending on the type of event that caused, um, uh, you know, the breach or the non-performance. Um, if it is the case, 
you know, when there's civil launch countries, you know, that's usually going to require the parties going to have to renegotiate some key terms. Um, and, and, or maybe the, the, the matter of the contract may be referred to an arbitrator or to court to revise the contract. So, you know, essentially in civil law jurisdictions, there is a more of an opportunity for a revision or amendment to the contract, you know, for on the basis of some economic hardship. But under the common law, that's generally not the case because, you know, the general view in the common law is that that's just part of the, you know, bargain for exchange and kind of the risk that the, the parties took in negotiating the, the agreement. So just some key takeaways to finish this up. It's it's been great to speak with you all today about this, you know, very important topic. Um, you know, again, in both civil law and common law jurisdictions, if, if you're going to invoke COVID-19, you know, it, it, if it comes up in one of the contract disputes, um, you know, you're really going to be looking to see, you know, was the event unforeseeable? Was it beyond your control? Uh, but, you know, again, you know, in the common law jurisdictions, economic hardship alone is generally not going to be an excuse for, for non-performance, non but under the civil law jurisdictions, uh, it, it could be and, and, and could result in kind of a renegotiated contract. Um, so, you know, that's, that's what I have for today. Uh, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you all today. I hope you've learned something from this podcast. Um, and um, if you have any further questions or comments, obviously feel free to, to reach out and, and, and happy to address them. So thank you very much. So that's, a mid, that's it on my end. Thank you, Justin. So um, now I just want to ask you a few questions about mm -hmm. your, uh, what you just spoke about, because it sounds very exciting. We have, a, and I'm, we're very excited to look forward to this webcast that you're going to be mm -hmm. uh, taking part in. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. for the first mm -hmm. question, um, how has the COVID-19 pandemic impacted your practice and or clients? Yeah, well, you know, we, we've seen COVID-19 come up multiple times, you know, with our clients. Uh, it, it obviously generally results in or results from uh, usually a delay um, in meeting using specific contract milestones. Or, or, you know, we've seen that many times, especially with some of our clients that are in the construction industry. Um, you know, we have several Dutch clients um, that have had to resort or have been, you know, to, to force majeure um, and have had to invoke, uh, you know, COVID-19 um, as a defense to, you know, maybe not being able to meet some of their contractual milestones. And, and we've had to go into and discuss with them you know, some of the same things I mentioned in the podcast how much notice was given, you know, we've had to advise them or at least help them sometimes get local counsel in, 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 in the Netherlands about, you know, whether uh, force majeure is available under, under Dutch law. Uh, so, so these things have come up. They, they've come up uh, more often than our clients would like. Um, but it really comes down, again, to kind of the basics and what we discussed in the podcast is really knowing the contracts that you have with your counterparties uh, communicating with them when these events arise uh, so that you can get ahead of the game and so no one is really taken by surprise. Um, and then, you know, obviously doing 
everything that you can to to mitigate you know the impact that that COVID nineteen is, is is having on the business or having on your you know contract performance. So uh, it's unfortunate we're still living with this. It's still something we're advising our clients on. Um, but and hopefully you know one day we'll get past this. But it's a I think it's a good learning opportunity for all of our clients and and obviously how to deal and you know manage their contracts with their counterparties because if it's not going to be COVID nineteen. There's going to be some other events or incident that comes up that that may be similar, um, and they're going to have to take these same you know proactive steps to to manage those uh, types of disputes. So, um, any particular mm -hmm. tips or insights uh, related to COVID nineteen disputes that you think are important to address? Yeah, well, I, I think it always comes back to you know what I mentioned at the beginning uh, of the podcast, which is really knowing the contracts uh, that you have with your counterparties, really identifying those key clauses in your contracts that may, have, may, may be impa impact or implicated, seeing if there's a force majeure clause, seeing if there's um, an economic hardship clause or impossibility clauses, um, checking the notice requirements, you know, if those clauses are contained, you know, in the agreement, uh, making sure you're meeting the the deadlines for requesting time extensions and et cetera. Um, you know, and and obviously looking to see take proactive steps. You know, is is are, are you know is any form of alternative performance available uh, so that you can kind of mitigate you know how COVID nineteen is impacting um, a, your your contract your contracts and your performance. Um, and then, you know, always just communication. I really can't harp on this enough. I mean, really communicating with your counterparties, you know, what's happening. Uh, if you're concerned about uh, a potential breach arising, you know, working with your in-house counsel or outside counsel, having them either, you know, re you know, updating them on the situation, getting their input, having them, you know, even you know draft the email that you if that needs to be sent you know to your counterparty about what's happening so you protect yourself um and, and then of course you know documenting everything emails obviously it's a principal form of how these things work and um and but and letters as well uh and, and just really making sure that um that you do everything you can to to protect your legal rights and 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 so that you can um, you know, keep your business going, keep everything going smoothly as you can in terms of performance, uh, you know, but you know, obviously that requires communicating with, you know, with your counterparty and, 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 and just being a, being a good business partner. So uh, I think those are the most important tips that I have. Great. And good to know. Thank you so much, Justin. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Knowledge Group Podcast. Don't forget, more information about this webcast can be found in our description box below, along with a link to take you to the full agenda for the program and January 19th. We hope you can join us at 12 p.m. Eastern or register to get a copy of the recording if your calendar is full. However you choose to listen, we hope to see you there. And until the next time, this has been another episode of the Knowledge Group Podcast. Take care and bye for now.